Hi, this is Umida Switlow. I'm in, um, I work for QSO VSO in the western part of Canada, the United States. And often I meet people that have had a big contribution to our organization in many ways and have something in common with me. And one of them is a, a wonderful lady named Juanita Tupper who served in Uganda. And that's, by the way, where I come from. Hi, Juanita. Hi, Umida. <laughs> How you doing? <laughs> Jambo, Sana. So, um, Juanita, when did you serve in Uganda? I was in Uganda with QSO from 1967 to 69, two years. And what were you doing in Canada before you went to QSO? I had been back at the university to do one year teacher's training. Yeah. And prior to that, I had worked a couple of years in psychological testing and measurement at BC Hydro. Oh, really? And... Um, Prior to that, I had done a Bachelor of Arts in International Studies in English at UBC. So, when you went to Uganda, what did you do there? I was teaching mostly history and English at Dr. Oboti College in Lira in northern Uganda. Ah, now I remember you telling me a very interesting story about Idi Amin. Yes, <laughs> one of my infamous moments of my life now. <laughs> what is that? We that were is? opening a new dormitory and Dr. Oboti came to our school and Idi Amin, head of the army, was brought along too because I didn't quite trust him. And when Idi Amin came, I found out I was sitting in his chair, and I said, excuse me, I'm sitting in your chair, and he turned around and said, that's okay, I'll... And he pulled out a little one of these uh, sticks that turn into a chair that you have at races or something, and he used that, so... <laughs> I hope I'm not in his bad books. <laughs> He's probably the most polite to you than he's ever been to anyone else. Yes, and I realized what I'd done. It was quite something. But anyway, so, never to be forgotten. Yeah. And then you continued with our organization. Um, you uh, served with us on our board. Yeah, yeah I got back to Vancouver after three years away in Africa, and uh, it was sort of a radical younger people's movement at the time, and we... I got elected to the Board of Directors for CUSO, which I did for about three years in the 1970s, or maybe it was four years, uh -huh. I very much enjoyed that and got an exposure. At the same time, I was working for the local committee, which was, first of all, at UBC and then downtown, doing interviews, working on pre-orientations and helping greet back and reintegrate the volunteers when they came back to Canada, which was even more interesting sometimes than mm. before you went. Yes. <laughs> Later on in the 80s... Um, I got back on the board in 1983 and was on the board for five years at that time, including being chairperson for three. So oh, I've wow. seen it through a lot of um, growth and a lot of change. And a lot of at change. At the time that I was living it, I didn't realize how historical it was or where it was going or where it had come from. And only now as you get older, you look back and think, oh my goodness, it was amazing. And you're, and you're going to be helping us for our 50th anniversary at the kickoff at UBC, so it's kind of a lifelong experience. The last time I came to meet you and I got a real strong introduction into the history you had with the organization, you said something about choices that just resonated very strongly with me. Do you remember that? Well, I, I think what I mean is people are all saying, well, what is development all about? And I've done a fair bit of work with the First Nations of British Columbia director of education and then the treaty negotiation office and it seems to me that the, what development is all about is being able to give people choices about their lives and a lot of people in, in the world and not just external to Canada they don't have 
the opportunity to make choices for a variety of reasons, whether it's educational or economic or health, whatever it is, or political sometimes. And I think if I sometimes have to summarize what development is all about, it seems to me coming down to the fact is we're giving people the ability to make choices by presenting them with opportunities, or presenting them with the skills. So since you said that, I've looked at all our work in uh, QSO VSO and thought, looked at it with that lens and thought, is there a choice being offered? And it's almost the, the kind of lens I would look at with the environment and see, are we thinking about the environment, etc. But anyway, when I looked at our work through that lens, Juanita, I see that indeed you're right, that it is an, it's an offer of choice. And uh, I think and think of, I'm sure you can think of many things in your life where if you had no choice, what mm -hmm. that would feel like. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I really thank you for adding that to my, um, to my understanding of international development. But after working on the board, volunteering, volunteering with us in the field, you continued on in a career in international development and, and uh, local uh, work. Tell me a bit about that, because that's always interesting. Okay, well, when I came back from QSO, I, not knowing what to do, I slipped in and did one year of teaching of high school social studies, grade 11. And that wasn't too satisfying back in Canada without having motivated students like you have in Uganda. <laughs> so at that time, CEDA was sponsoring through the Canadian Council for International Cooperation, CCIC, a development education and a mature program. And I was lucky enough to be hired as the BC representative, and my job was to go around the province to work with 20 different international agencies on why are we doing international development, in other words, development education. And then from very interesting, wonderful two years, then I moved on to work for Canada World Youth, and I was the regional coordinator for that for a year and a half, again, all around the province doing things. Then I decided, well, I better be more home-based, so I started looking at First Nations in BC and worked on a rural and native housing program for CMHC for a number of years. And then, it gets hard to remember, I about this time went back to UBC and did an MBA um, full-time, and that was made me more aware of how things are run and how things are managed. I then started working more in an administrative management role on health programs and then um, into the BC School Trustees Association and then I had a chance to go back to work with First Nations in the Department of Indian Affairs as Director of Education for the province. Wow. Which was an incredible opportunity, again all over the province, having basically a white staff that one of my jobs was to hire First Nations, which I seem to have done a good job at, so people tell me. Good. We closed down the whole Indian Affairs component of that and devolved it all to the First Nations people, which was amazing. And then from there they said, come and stay still, and we're doing the treaty negotiations, and we need a manager to start up this big office, and so I did that for three years. And then I became an independent consultant on management services, a lot of human resource oriented, working a lot with the federal government, particularly the, the treaty negotiation office and other private clients. Mm. And then when uh, my husband retired and I decided to follow suit about seven years ago, I joined KESO, Canadian Executive Service Overseas, and um, have enjoyed uh, an interesting time with that. I've had one interesting assignment to Russia, and a number of other offers, which I haven't had an opportunity to follow through on just yet. But uh, 
I still want to keep doing this stuff. So you just get, it's, it's a lifelong, it's in your blood. It's in my blood. It's what I do for entertainment. I go out to <laughs> UBC last week to listen to the manager of the hotel, Trecoline in Rwanda. Yeah, I went there too. That was I amazing. I mean, that's what I do for my, that's what I'm interested in. What's happening and who's important and who was able to make change and difference and things like that. It's inspiring, isn't yeah. it? So if you were to give a piece of, uh, any advice to people who want to support our work and uh, the work of people interested in international development, what would you say to them? Well, you have to follow your passion. That's definitely for sure. And you have to be persistent at it. So if you decide what you want to do is put yourself in an overseas thing. And I do think that travel, whether you're doing a three-month assignment or hitchhiking through Asia or whatever you do, just go and do it. Just put it first in your agenda and don't leave it for later. So do it when you're young, do it when you're middle-aged, and do it again when you're older. So really keep at it. And um, don't forget also there's a financial side to this. If what you can do is financially support things, well, do that too because well, they need everything. They need people's time, people's money, people's ideas people involved in administration, people involved in volunteers here in Canada, and people overseas. So just get at it. Great so. advice. Keep on doing it, Juanita. Okay. Thank Thanks. you.